Welcome to Speak Up with Rita Burke and Elton Brown. Antoinette, it is such a delight to have you on our podcast. We were waiting for a mighty long time to have this conversation with you. And so to our audience, I would like to introduce Antoinette Holder and tells us that she's been a Toastmaster for over three years and has completed almost as many paths in our Pathways program. She's done effective coaching, engaging humor, persuasive influence. And in those three years, she has been an area director and is currently Division F director. When she is not busy with Toastmasters, she can be found in her kitchen baking up a storm with breads, cakes, and other delightful goodies that are sure to put a smile on your face and encourage you to put another hole in your belt for room. Antoinette, I am happy to hear that because I too am a proverbial baker. I make my bread from scratch. I make muffins, I make cupcakes, you get my fingers in that flour, and it is like therapy. Tell us more about your baking. Where did that come from? You're, you're wanting to bake and to cook and those kinds of things. So I wouldn't say that I was the most competent cook in the kitchen. I could probably hold my own, feed myself, and I decided to go to culinary school. And out of that, it was a great experience. I learned about different foods around the world, learned how to cook Thai food, Italian from scratch. And then I realized, oh, there's a baking class. Let me take that. And so I was taking culinary arts as well as baking arts at the same time and fell in love with baking. Then I went into cake decorating. Then I went into chocolate work. So when it comes down to being in the kitchen, I feel very comfortable. I find it's the place that most people like to congregate. And it's a bad place if people like to congregate and you don't know what you're doing in there. So you might as well know what you're doing if people are going to hang out in there. Indeed, it's the her- it's a family hearth, isn't it? It is, That's absolutely. Many of discussion, many of challenge, many of exciting things occur in the kitchen. Yes, indeed. Antoinette, yes. I, I love having these kinds of conversations because we always find out something that we did not know. And so I'm really surprised uh, that you are one of those uh, individuals that actually knows how to bend those pots and pans. So I can really appreciate uh, that. I could appreciate it more if I was invited over when you've cooked some type of bread or cake. That would just be wonderful. I could really enjoy that. Besides uh, baking, what other passions do you have? Other passions. I love travel. Travel has always been one of my greatest guilty pleasures. I wish I had a bank account that could afford where I'd like to travel to. Um, But I love seeing different places. I think life is just too short to continue to go to the same place all the time. Life is too short to eat the same meal all the time. Life is just too short. Sometimes you just have to expand your your repertoire of where you've been and what you've done. You know, often uh, 
one of the things is, is that when you get to the end of the road, whatever, whenever that is, these are the memories that are going to carry you over when your body's not able to keep up with your, with your desires. So I want to be able to say that I cooked that, I ate that, or I ate that again, and I ate some more of that. I traveled here and I did this. And so I try to throw in new experiences whenever I get a, I get the best moment to do so. The other thing for me is that I wanted to always be a better speaker. And me joining Toastmasters, I've always been notorious for inserting foot into my mouth. So hence the reasons why I decided to join up for Toastmasters, because I was I needed to become a better speaker. Think, you know, being able to think on my toes and being able to be articulate and well-rounded when I speak be able to converse with anyone and not worry about if we have anything in common, because as long as we're talking, I'm sure there's something that we can find that is going to have some form of commonality between me and somebody else, be it food, travel, be it, oh my goodness, that person shouldn't be wearing leopard print, whatever it is, let's discuss it. You know, you talked about baking and then you're talking about public speaking and both of them have a formula or a recipe for success. So if you were to look at both, what would be the common denominators between the two, baking and public speaking? Everything takes time. I would have to say both of them is the, com- that would be the con- common denominator between the both. You can go and look at a box of Duncan Hines or Betty Crocker or even grab, you know, a bag of flour. Yes, I agree, Betty Crocker, don't do it. But really and truly, you're not going to become a great baker overnight. And you're not going to be a great speaker overnight. They're both going to take time. They're going to take some diligence. They're going to take an opportunity for you to sit down, plan out what you need to do and how to do it and what it's going to look like and what the outcome is going to be. And you have to start from beginning to end for both. You can decide that you want to become a better speaker and you can't just walk into a room and say, I'm going to speak. There are very few people who can do that. And if you can, fantastic, pat on the back. But very few of us are able to just walk into the room, engage, be captivating, be knowledgeable, be confident. And I think it's the confident piece that very few of us are able to walk in and say, if it's five people in the room, we might be okay. 10 people, mm, oh, wait. But when you get to bigger numbers and denomination and depending on the topic, that's when confidence and nerves start to set in and you need to figure out how you're going to get ahead. Same thing with baking. You can have all the ingredients, but if you don't know what to do with them all, you're not going to have a proper product by the end. You need to figure out how much butter to how much eggs to how much vanilla, how much salt and yeast and all of those lovely things that go into baking so that you can have whatever, a cake, a bread, cupcakes, you know, by the finishing product. So it does take time and you need to give it, you need to pay attention to the process. I mean, many of us would like to hop right to the end, but really and truly the beauty of that process is where you learn so much about yourself and where you want to go. You said so many things that I would like to ask you to outline a little bit more, elaborate on, but I want to go back to the fact that You talked at the beginning about having gone to culinary school, but that's not what you do now for a living, is it? No, it's not. Tell us about that switchover and what inspired or motivated that. 
Well, I decided to go to culinary school because I've always spent time in school. Anytime I've ever had a full-time job, I've always gone to school. And I'm not one of those personalities that sits very well. I could sit for a little while. Like if I'm on vacation, I could probably bake on a beach for two days. And then after that, I need to be up and moving. Uh, but when it came, came down to culinary, it was more of, I didn't want to be home every evening. I needed to do something else. I, I have no problem finishing a book every week. I have no problem going to the movies, but those weren't things that were going to enrich me. I wanted something to do probably when I retired, you know, do on the side or something that brings joy to people. Now, a lot of people weren't very happy with me over the, over the pandemic because I was notorious for driving through neighborhoods, specifically my friends' neighborhoods. And I would call them and say, hey, I think Amazon just came to your house. You should go to your door and claim your package before the porch pirates get it. And that only worked once or twice because when they came to the door, they realized there were like several loaves of bread. Um, and so needless to say, a lot of people put on weight during the pandemic, and I may have had a hand to that. Have you contributed to their downfall? Yes, their I have. Green. Well, I want you to feel terribly guilty about that. Oh, so yes. That is one thing that you've done, and you made the switch over to something else. But you also talked about traveling. Name a place that you have gone to that still resonates with you, that is still lingering in your heart, in your mind, in your soul. Just one place? Just one place for now, thank you. I would have to say probably the most memorable vacation that I've ever had was Hawaii. Went to Waikiki or Oahu and I got up, Hawaii is six hours ahead, six hours behind Eastern. And I woke up every morning and went for these long 5K walks. And they were probably the most inspiring, watching the sunrise, looking at the surf, looking at the mountains, looking at the volcanoes and craters. It was probably one of the most enjoyable vacations. I introduced myself to so many different things. I had malasadas, which are Portuguese donuts. I had poke for the first time, which is basically uh, marinated uh, raw fish. And it comes with a whole assortment of sides. Had masubi for the first time. And masubi is basically spam. Um, and, uh, you know, we all joke about spam. You know, if you've ever watched the movie 50, 50 First Dates, they talk about spam all through that movie. When you finally have spam, it, it changes your world. And to the point that, very few people know that depending on the McDonald's that you go to in what part of the world, the McDonald's will change their menu based on the palate there. So when I had breakfast in Hawaii, it was spam, steamed rice, and scrambled eggs. Never thought, never saw that coming. And I went, this is great. So I would have to say Hawaii was probably one of my best trips. I tried so many new things there. I wonder now, uh, from Hawaii, we're going to come back to uh, Toronto, and we're going to talk a little bit about Toastmasters. And how has Toastmasters enriched your life this year as a division director? I found that 
with being the division director and Toastmasters through the entire journey of the three years, it's really taught me what it is to be a leader, what it is to step up to the challenge and to deal with a challenging situation and try to persevere. Also with Toastmasters, I learned what I'm made of in the sense where I could advocate for myself. I think often enough when you're in the corporate world, one of the hardest things to do is being able to articulate what you're worth, to articulate what it is that you are capable of doing and what you would like to do and the reasons why you should. I have been given one promotion and also changed jobs in the last year because of my don't quit attitude and being able to sit down and literally plan out what it is that I've been doing and how I need to prove. I guess, represent myself. I know that I could not have done it with Toastmasters in the, without Toastmasters in the time that I've done it. I needed Toastmasters to teach me what it was to speak in a room and not let anybody else see you sweat. We all know that we've been there, we've done speeches, we've stood in front of rooms, we've spoken in front of people that we've never met before. But the point is, is still being able to deliver your message across clearly and articulately. No one needs to know that you are sweating or you need to get another deodorant because it's, you know, starting to leak through your shirt. But the fact of the matter is, is that no one needs to know that you are nervous or you are lacking the confidence. You need to be able to represent yourself all the time, even when you feel like no one's watching you. You are such a determined individual, and these attributes you have truly rubs off on others, specifically your area directors. How have they been affected by your leadership? My area directors, they are eclectic, and they're witty, they're fun, and they're energetic. They I feel what they may be getting away from me is my ability to resource. Being around with Toastmasters the last three years, I have met so many people. Uh, Even now with contests coming up that I know that I can reach out to this person, that person who may or may not be in my division. And a lot of it is because I simply have networked and hoping that they teach them or show them the ability to get to know someone. It's okay to reach out, cold call, figure out how you can get someone, where to find all the resources on our District 60 site. You know, what is it to do easy speak? What is the sign up for a speech? What is it to get a speaker or even workshops? I think even being area directors, even though they've been executives, they may not be fully knowledgeable of where all the resources are. And becoming an area director, they've become the information desk. All their clubs are going to go to them. And what ends up happening, they come to me and go, Antoinette, where do I find this? And I'm like, well, here you go, District 60, go under resources or the events calendar if you need to know when the next COT is, or hey, workshops. But now they know they can pretty much spin around in District 60 and be able to help all of their clubs because now they know where to find the information. And I think that's the difference between being an area director and a division director is 
we are showing them that all the resources are at their fingers. They're, it usually takes the first three to four months of taking on an area director's role to even have an understanding of what it is that you need to do. What is, your, what is the expectation and where to find it? I know that being an area director for the first three months, I had, had, didn't have a clue. Kept going to my, air, my division director, Renee, and she was fantastic. She's like, yay, go to the division, go to the District 60 site. Uh, and I wish I could, you know, get royalties on that every time you heard go to District 60. Uh, but unfortunately, I can't do that. But I would have to say that's one of the things that I hope that I've bestowed on my area directors about what it is to be resourceful and being able to network this, you know, even now that we're in the middle of contests for the area, they are actually having conversations, getting to know people, seeing how they can get their contests, all, all the roles filled in. This is a true test of, you know, how far have they networked, how, who can they speak to, you know, and getting to know their clubs and getting to see all the speakers. Because often enough, we, when we make our visits, we don't get to see all the speakers. But of course, we're going to see the best of the best that have been voted in by their peers to come and attend the area to contest. And then, of course, I get the lucky job of actually holding the division contest and getting to see the best of the best. Thank you so very much, Antoinette. It seems to me as if you are totally immersed in your role as a division director not only are you immersed, but you seem to be savoring and enjoying it a great deal. Much like you enjoy what you spoke about earlier, being in the kitchen and, and creating, creating really exciting dishes. So I certainly appreciate your joining us this evening. I've enjoyed it immensely. And you've been very articulate eloquent in describing what you do and what you have done. So on behalf of us both, I want to say a sincere thank you, Antoinette. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Speak Up. To discover upcoming podcasts, please go to www.toastmaster6060.com under News and Events look for the District 60 newsletter to locate the schedule.